This is Blockbuster Film School Office Hours. Blockbuster Film School Office Hours. It's Blockbuster Film School Office Hours. Office Hours. Office Hours. Well, hello, hello. Welcome back to your favorite film school, the greatest film school in the history of the world. You can eat that. USC Film School. We are the Blockbuster Film School. I am Mr. Alex Bonner, joined as always by the headmaster of the Blockbuster Film School, the greatest human I've ever met in my entire life, other than our super producer, Brian Tepps, Mr. Nicholas Souter. Brian is much, much better than me. He does yeah. have that tattoo that says, I'm better than you. He does. He also has his gun in my face that says, I'm better than you on the Let's barrel. Not mention Let's not bring up the gun. It could go off like the Nerf gun that shot Brian in the face that time. Uh, One time I shoot him with a Nerf gun (laughs) and I just keep bringing it up all the time. It's all right. Listen, here at the Blockbuster Film School, there are Nerf guns and they are fully loaded just like 2020. That's a great transition. Perfect segue. Yes. Well, team, we made it through 2020. We're still alive. I know we've lost some people. We've lost some, some great actors some great filmmakers, and some lesser ones as well that we don't care about at all. But we're still here, and we've got some things to talk about. This is a Blockbuster Film School Office Hours, where we are going to give you a couple of hot picks. People say, no good movies came out in 2020. We disagree. We think that there are at least a few picks. Three. (laughs) Three each. I I wrote down five, but uh, yeah, we Yeah. we, we could talk about them. There definitely were some movies that I was supposed to get to see in 2020 that I didn't get to see because of stupid alien space diseases that showed up and made us not be allowed to go to the movie theater anymore. In their defense, it's not an alien disease. It's just from where they are. Uh, of conspiracy theories? Mm, I don't know. Just say It's very possible. Anyways, let's talk about something else. But... We have a couple of hot picks of 2020 movies that maybe you missed. Maybe you already saw, but we're going to talk about them. And also, this year's Oscars are going to be hilarious because there are a couple of movies on my list that might actually get nominated, even though they are about a hedgehog that runs real fast. We need to start here. (laughs) This is not on either of our lists as like the top three, Mm -hmm. but this movie had no... Business being as good as it was. That is the best way to put it. Which which movie is it, Nicholas? Uh, I didn't want to say the title. <laughs> it's Sonic the fucking Hedgehog. <laughs> we saw this right at the beginning of quarantine. Yes. We ate some edibles, and yes. then we just kept going, this is not right. <laughs> I will say this. It's Jim Carrey returning to 90s Jim Carrey-ness, where he is playing a bombastic villain, and the writing, it has Cyclops in it. Got callback jokes. It is a strangely entertaining movie. She's got John Ralphio as the uh John Ralphio plays Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh my god. The action sequences are pretty good. It starts off with like a really dramatic murder. <laughs> There's so many murders in it. It is maybe not for children at all. No. But then when you think about it, if you were to talk to someone who was born in like 2010, would they even know what Sonic the Hedgehog is? No. I don't would they give shout a shout out to Dylan? Um, <laughs> no, like this movie was funny. It had callbacks. It set up things. Yes. It like everything that they put in the script 
paid off later, which you can't say about most movies in general, let alone a Sega Genesis movie. A video game movie. I'd say 99 times out of 100, a video game movie is trash. It is. You are always walking around in that Tomb Raider Laura Croft t-shirt. <laughs> I would throw out that I liked the original Christopher Lambert Mortal Kombat. I thought it was pretty good. End of list. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> of video you know, it was weird. That Street Fighter movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme where he no. plays an American and he's like, I'm going to kick Bison's ass so hard. No. That you will do. You're like, what is happening? That actually is completely <laughs> in his wheelhouse and range. <laughs> I saw, I played the video game first for Jurassic Park and saw the movie a year later. So I was like, man, this is the best movie based on, because the year before was like Super Mario Brothers. I was like, oh, I don't remember this at all. The, the killed movie. Bob Hoskins. His he name was Mario Mario. <laughs> he died 20 years later, but it was, it was Super Mario Brothers, the movie that killed Bob Hoskins. Yeah. Also, Tom Hanks was supposed to be in Super Mario Brothers, the movie, but then he read the script. He literally signed on being like, cool, a Super Mario Brothers movie. This will be fun and cool. And then he read the script. and It was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Incorrect. And, and that was the exact moment Tom Hanks stopped smoking weed. <laughs> this is also back in the, is Tom Hanks a popular actor? I don't know. This is the early 90s. Like, we liked him because he was in the Burbs. He yeah. hadn't made Philadelphia yet. He hadn't made Forrest Gump yet. He hadn't become Tom Hanks No, yet. he was still that guy from Joe versus Volcano. Yes, yes. Which you always be in my book, Hanks. <laughs> he dated a mermaid. Um, okay, well, you got our one of our big honorable mentions for 2020. Immediately, we are going to give you... Three hot picks from the year 2020 of movies that you should watch or should have watched here at the Blockbuster Film School. Nick, would you like to start? Would you like to start with your third pick? And we can talk about some other ones. I'm sure there's a bunch of honorable yeah, we'll mentions. Bounce around. Yes. And we'll talk about the general state of movie making a little bit as we go. My number three is She Dies Tomorrow. Ooh. It was directed by uh, Amy Seismitz. She okay. is probably best known for the TV show, The Girlfriend Experience, based on the Soderbergh movie, but also Upstream Color. And she was one of the dumb people in Alien Covenant. <laughs> she fell yeah, and shot much. a shotgun and blew everybody up. Oh, that's, I do remember. Yes. <laughs> She's the blonde lady who can't run and fire a gun. Wait, but, blondes are spazzes who accidentally shoot themselves in movies? No way. <laughs> Ignoring that. And uh, no, this movie... She didn't, she didn't realize it when they made it, but it was basically a fucking, like, COVID movie. Mm. It's a really darkly comedic horror film about people who just, like, spread anxiety. And there's, like, I'm going to die tomorrow. And then they... So you're talking about Chicagoans. Uh, kind of. <laughs> so, like, this woman's like, I'm going to die tomorrow. And then she tells somebody, and they go and tell a bunch of people at a party. And then all those people are infected. Also, one of the people at the party is the singer from TV on the radio. And Michelle Rodriguez, who we were talking about before we started recording, is in this movie for exactly five minutes. <laughs> it's the best work she's done in years because she's not playing a tough guy and she's not racing a car. She's sitting around going, is she, I'm going to die is tomorrow. She, is she a disgraced cop? That's her backstory that wasn't in the movie. But uh, this movie is hilarious. It's accidentally hilarious. And it's also just creepy as shit. Is there, where can we watch this movie? 
I rented it on the Bezo network. <laughs> Bezos Prime. But you can watch it now on Hulu. It's oh, streaming. Oh, dope, yeah. dope. Okay. I'm going to check this out. I did not know about this movie. It's a very slow burn. I loved Upstream Color. She's, yes, me too. She also directed, oh, shit, I can't remember the other name of the movie now, but it's an even slower burn than this, and it's super creepy about a couple driving around with a body in their trunk. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. That's called Green Book. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. Eat that green book. Um, they were alive and go. <laughs> they were just uh, British in a trunk. I like your third pick. My third pick is I have a couple of documentaries, actually. And my third pick for 2020 is a movie. I believe it's a Netflix exclusive. It's a very subtle title. It is called Studio 54, the documentary. Mm. I wonder what it is about. But it is about Studio 54. I thought it was a hamburgers ball, the MTV show. <laughs> and they actually get any of the surviving owners, surviving employees. They actually finally come forward and they make this documentary where they get to talk about it and they get to tell you what happened at studio 54 and they license the music and they license the images and they actually put money into it. And you actually get to have this one little time period in New York and you get to figure out that studio 54 was this, amazingly bizarre cultural touchstone, but also because it was only for pretty fancy people. It pissed off everyone. So everyone hated them. And that it was this one weird moment in time where a bunch of random asshole, because that's the other thing. Most people think studio 54 was somehow started by very famous rich people. It was not Steve Rubell and the other owners were just guys. They were just guys who wanted to start a club. They owned a steak restaurant in Queens. They were not famous people. They just started a club. They bought an old CBS uh, TV studio and turned it into a dance club and embraced gay people, embraced black people, embraced particularly the idea of celebrity culture. And they get into that kind of idea of that our entire culture now in Instagram and everything is inviting celebrities to come hang out at your shit. Right. Not my Instagram. Right. right. But private for a reason. Yeah. I hate everyone. I am wearing a fedora, but that they kind of came up with the idea of the great hinge profile, by the way. Oh yeah, exactly. They came up with this idea that if you invite celebrities to your party, you might start a movement and, they finally now are so past it. All of these people are old and they're just like, yeah, I was doing Coke. That's why I fucked it up. That's why I stole that money. I thought I'd get away with tax evasion because I was high on Coke. I mean, they literally say this stuff and it's like, this Appreciate is amazing. That. This is an amazing documentary. This is an amazing movie. I watched Studio 54, the documentary. I'm sorry. Even if you don't know anything about it or don't give a shit, it is still fascinating just to hear these guys tell stories. I was telling you the story. There's a part where they ask one of the designers of it, uh, the designers of Studio 54, were you building a fuck pit? And he says, <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, yes, I was building a fuck pit. I mean, it just this, what are these guys talking about? What is this world? Also, I call fuck pit as my mental band name. <laughs> <laughs> also what they should have because studio 54 the documentary bland building a fuck pit 
Now that's a, that's a title. That is going to get you a Netflix audience that is not interested in disco. But they will then like it because that's how good a documentary it is. It sucks you in real fast. And then you're like, oh, two hours went by and I learned about Studio 54. This is crazy. Nick, what is your number two for your 2020 picks? Real fast, I want to mention another, uh, what were we calling them? Honorary degrees? Honorable mentions. Honor- Honorable mention. Yes. I'm not super high in homemade edible. No, no, nope. no. Anyways, Color Out of Space is not a great movie, but there's a really good, weird Nick Cage performance in this. It's also super weird. Also, it's Richard Stanley's first movie since the island of Dr. Monroe. Okay. When he went and lived in the woods. So... <sighs> Wait, he's jungle. back. He's back. He directed this. It's based on an HP Lovecraft movie. This is great. About literally colors that come from outer space that are filled with aliens and take over everything. Tommy Chong's in this. Holy shit. It's trippy as hell. It's like if Mandy was not well made, but <laughs> it's fun. Also, if you've never seen that Island of Dr. Moreau documentary, I'll look that up real quick. But if you've never seen that... It's biz. It's called Marlon Brando cleans out a Domino's pizza. (laughs) The documentary. (laughs) Bingo. My number two, though, is directed by my, uh, one of my favorite photographers, Autumn Wild. It's her version of Emma with uh, Anna Taylor Joy and Mia Goth. It is one of the most pleasant movies I've ever seen. It's hilarious. It also, any movie that makes you want to go watch Clueless afterwards is a good fucking movie. Fuck yeah. And uh, it's the last movie I saw in theaters. I saw it in March, the day before I got a tooth pulled. Oh, that's interesting. Did something happen that kept us from watching things in movie theaters? That's interesting. Well, after I got my tooth pulled, they closed the theater. So I assumed it had something to do with the infection from that molar. That makes sense. Yeah. Also, I love that every like jackass local newscaster is like, is this the end of movie theaters? I think it might be from here on out. No one's ever going to want to go to the movie theater. It's like newscasters don't know any nerds. (laughs) I will take that shot eight times. If I could go to the music box or Logan theater, just anywhere I can go and be stoned and have a drink. Or not have a drink and just be stoned or not be stoned. I don't care. Right. I want to go back to the movies. Yes, agreed. And also that, yeah, sure, Trolls World Tour made money on demand. It did. But the second that a movie studio after this is over, if it does end, that is a fair point. But if it is over, if you're listening to this far into the future, When COVID-19 virus mayhem ends and we are allowed to go to movie theaters again without a hazmat suit on, that the second that Marvel or Universal puts out a movie that makes $2 billion, every single movie studio, Hollywood is the most monkey see, monkey do fucking goddamn like business that has ever existed, where if you put out a movie about a volcano... You better believe every other goddamn studio is going to put out a movie about a volcano immediately. The people, they like the movies about the volcanoes. You know, I mean, it just. From the director of Independence Day in 2012, (laughs) it's Mount St. Helen. And I'm just saying, movie studios could be gone. They could be all torn down. But then five years from now, Marvel builds their own movie studio. Just one. And at that movie studio, they put out a Spider-Man movie and it makes $2 billion. They will start building movie theaters. You know what I'm saying? There's this Hollywood element where 
the second you think you've done away with, they literally have been talking about movie studios being done with and gone since color televisions went into people's houses. And I don't think they've gone away. You know, I think they've stayed because the cinema is its own artistic experience. Just like how they said that paintings would go away once photography existed or museums would cease to exist once, you know, it's just, it, it, it's this continuous thing and it, it doesn't happen. A beloved piece of human artistic experience will not end. Sorry. Any other thoughts on your number two? This is the last time I felt good. Nothing dark about that. All right. My number two is another documentary. It's up in the air because I also have some honorable mentions, but I think I'm going to do the other documentary. It is The Last Dance, which Netflix put out that is about a psychopath whose parents were very nice to him, but also trained him to be an amazing basketball player. And he saved Chicago. Is this the Airbud movie? He saved the world. He could have been a dog. It didn't matter. His name was Michael Jordan, and not only did he save America and the world from being lame, but also he pissed off everyone <laughs> that apparently he ever met because they didn't win enough championships. They were supposed to win two championships in a year, and there was only one championship to win, and he was pissed. He was pissed that they didn't win a championship every single moment that he is alive, breathing, and smoking a cigar. And if you haven't watched The Last Dance, whether you like the Chicago Bulls, whether you like the 1990s, whether you give a shit about anything, it is the most fascinating fucking time capsule I've ever seen. I don't know. What, did you like The Last Dance, Nick? Loved it. Yes. It's amazing. They talked to Tony Kukoc, so I was in from the beginning. <laughs> um, also, seeing just how much of a weirdo, nice guy, alien-handed lengthy Scotty Pippen person Scotty Pippen is is one of the highlights also the memes that come out of this only make you want to watch the movie more oh my god also like, that they're my personal favorite and I would love to hear your personal favorite moment of the last dance because mine is the weird Nick Kroll character at the United Center who is a weird blonde guy with glasses. Permamullet. Permamullet, who is Michael Jordan's weird Igor. I don't know what to call <laughs> His lackey who does his bidding. That was his on-site <laughs> gambling enabler slash cooler because <laughs> he's such terrible bad luck. But also when he's going, hey, Mike, let's just keep going. Let's keep going. Oh, no, I missed a quarter. And then Mike was like, you suck. Give me your money. And then he'd be like, here's my money. Give me your money. And then he'd go out and play a fucking basketball game. And while all that was happening, he wasn't betting on, you know, the Bears or golf or how much Coke he'd slip Dennis Rodman before he noticed. <laughs> hey, Dennis, I got you another Gatorade. Thanks. Thanks. Also, in The Last Dance, you find out that Michael Jordan was given a poisoned pizza by the Mormons of Utah and that he not only survived the poisoned pizza, but that was the quote unquote flu game in which the man was poisoned. Yeah. <laughs> and then had so much psychopathic imperial vitriol inside of himself that other humans would have been like, dude, I'm fucked up. I was poisoned. 
Michael Jordan said, I hate these motherfuckers so much for poisoning me. I will now annihilate their basketball franchise. Also, though, the other side of it is Michael Jordan bets 30 grand. He would get 40 points in that game. So we had to get 40 points. If he doesn't have adrenaline rolling, like he disappears like Michael J. Fox's brother in fucking back to the future. Like if Michael Jordan doesn't have just adrenaline, just pumping through himself the entire time, he disappears from existence. And I appreciate it quite a bit. I really do. All his cigars are laced with cocaine. Oh, he's basically Jason Statham from crank. He bet Greg Gumbel $500,000 that he could smoke the cigar during last dance in under 10 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like during this, he has a bet go, he has juice going like he is a lunatic and you get to see this. Yeah. And I appreciate it. I think we're down to number one. We have some honorable mentions we'd like to talk about, but uh, of your picks, what is your number one pick for 2020? I'm going to talk about the honorable mention before I say my pick. Yeah, that's rock and roll. Uh, Honorable mention is Palm Springs. Yes. I think it's both of ours. Yeah. It is surprisingly fantastic. Absolutely. And I just want to hear your thoughts on... It's the best Groundhog Day movie since Groundhog Day. (laughs) It really takes on the dark parts about dying and being stuck in it. Andy Samberg is in this. And um, the mother from How I Met Your Mother, who has like three. She also gets a divorce. I have her name. Hold on. Max uh, Barbacow directed it. Kristen Milati and J.K. Simmons. Yes. Oh, J.K. Simmons in this movie. So good. J.K. Simmons kind of steals the show a little bit. But it's a weird little sci-fi Really dark comedy rom-com. Yes. Up there with all the other, listen to our rom-com episodes. Yes. This would go on there perfectly. Yeah. It's on Hulu. It's a lot of fun. The music's amazing. Yes. Andy Samberg at his charming nihilistic best. Absolutely. And also just of sci-fi twists, just little fun sci-fi twists throughout the movie. We kind of spoiled the big overhanging Groundhog Day one, but there are a lot of fun little weird twists in it of playing with sci-fi elements, playing with romantic comedy elements, playing with how human beings interact in comedies, in movies. It's very self-aware. It's very meta. It's If we had a top five, Palm Springs would be right there. Top, Palm Springs is four. Mm-hmm. My other honorable mention I want to bring up real fast mm-hmm. that we also both saw would be my number five, but also my dumpster pick. Ooh. It's Christopher Nolan's Tenant. I hate well, we, it. <laughs> I hate it as much as I like it. I think that's, we didn't have a drop for the dumpster, but I think Tenant is right there for me as well of, we talked about this, about how Nolan, Christopher Nolan, who directed Tenet, who also directed the Following, Dark, the and following Memento. Dark, and Inception, and The Dark Knight, and... The one where the guy... Prestige, Dark Knight Rises, Batman Begins, well, he, Interstellar. Interstellar. Was, he makes gorgeous, beautiful, dumb the, fucking The one where movies. that Texas guy cries. That's where he, he watches the Star Wars trailer, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's so sad that he got to see that. Christopher Nolan makes puzzle movies. That's what he makes. He makes puzzle movies. And when they work, they're amazing. They're these puzzles. And they're beyond twists. The whole damn thing is one big twist. It's just puzzle piece after puzzle piece after puzzle piece, and it's kind of ingenious. And 
It's also kind of other puzzles that you've played and played a little better, but with not as much money, so it's a smaller puzzle. Right. But when he does it perfectly like The Prestige or Inception, it's amazing. It's really amazing. And then when it's not, or maybe when it got too big for its britches and kind of came apart at the seams, it's Tenet. And I like Denzel Washington Jr. a lot. I absolutely love R-Pats. Uh, I do not <laughs> really enjoy the director of Thor in this movie. He's terrible. His <laughs> Russian accent's terrible. Him as a villain is literally, his character just serves the plot. Yes. The first time I watched this, I broke one of my own rules. I ate the entire edible <laughs> that I made. So they're not like measured out or anything. They're just, they're puzzles too. I ate the whole thing. I got to a point where I was like, I, I got to pause this. And I paused it to grab a cigarette. And I realized I'd only watched 30 minutes. I was like, this is a bad sign. And then by the end of the movie, I had no idea what the fuck was going on. I hated the acting. I hated everything in it. Rewatched it three more times, a little bit more sober each time. It gets better every viewing, mm. but it also gets worse every viewing. Mm. I literally hate it, and I love it, and I'm embarrassed of it, <sighs> but I'm still going on the podcast and telling customers at work, you should watch this. <laughs> it's really dumb. I love it. I will give Christopher Nolan that element that his movies, even when they are bad, they They're are just real pretty to look at. Oh, absolutely. They are so pretty to look at, and he has R-Pats doing his R-Pats thing, and also... It's wild style. Even that it doesn't all the way come together, it's still a crazier, cooler attempt than most people in Hollywood yeah. make. And he so, took a really big risk. Yes. It didn't work. Right. You know how, like, sometimes Evil Knievel would do a crazy stunt and he would fail? And people would love to watch him get That's hurt. That's almost kind yeah. of, you know, and sometimes those were That's almost- why jackasses is such a thing. Exactly. It's like the you tried to jump 10 buses and you only made seven, but you survived- and you crashed, that's kind of tenant. You watch the videotape of that show over and <laughs> yes. over and over. Yes. That is tenant. He crashed after seven yeah. buses. He made seven buses. He made seven, which is impressive. <laughs> yes. But then he rolled off the next two <laughs> and then fell between bus nine and ten. Yes. And you're just like, watch. You uh, can literally watch the moment he loses control and you just keep rewinding also, it. Kenneth Branagh is, in my opinion, sometimes an amazing actor. And sometimes he is cast in the wrong things that he cannot do. Like being a bad guy in a Nolan no. movie. Now him being a goofball charlatan in the Harry Potter movies, he's fabulous at because he's kind of a goofball charlatan. Him actually trying to be scary is moronic and stupid. I'm sorry. That's uh he's a terrible villain. Yes. He's a terrible villain. Yeah. I hate tenant. <laughs> Okay, I just have a few real fast honorable mentions before our number one. Bill and Ted Face the Music. It didn't come together in the same way. I would have liked Stephen Herrick to direct it. It's a bit of a shame that they didn't even ask him, but uh, they got the guy from Galaxy Quest, and it has a very Galaxy Quest kind of feel. It's fun. It'll lift up your spirits if you like Bill and Ted. It's not a bad movie. It's nice to see them all doing it. There's definitely some parts that I laughed out loud at. I don't think it had the same electricity as uh, Excellent Adventure or, you know, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead or any of the other Stephen Herrick movies. But it's worth a watch. The Midnight Sky with George Clooney is kind of epic and sad and has a dumbass ending. 
Um, all right, Nick, what is your number one? Let's do it. My number one is Sound of Metal. Ooh. It is the uh, Darius Martyr film. Mm-hmm. His directorial debut. Riz Ahmad and Riz Olivia Ahmad. Cooker in it. He's so good. They are both amazing in this. Mm-hmm. It has the best sound design in years. It is also just heartbreaking. Yeah. It is a devastating movie. It's absolutely amazing. Riz Ahmad deserves a fucking all the Oscar nominations. Olivia Cook's really good, but like he carries his movie. He's in a band with Olivia Cook. They're on the road. His hearing starts getting fucked up. Eventually he goes done the 30% hearing less than that. Actually like Beethoven. Yes. Beethoven. Beethoven. And then he has addiction problems. So he winds up in a weird community for deaf people, but he's in the part where it's like a 12 step program you know, they acknowledge he's not religious. Religion is not a part of this movie. It's a movie about a guy who plays drums in a metal band coming to terms with being deaf. And it is gut-wrenching, but it's also gorgeous and beautiful, and there's moments in there that are just super hopeful, and then the following second, they just kick you right in the fucking teeth. I am very curious to watch this movie, and I've heard only good things. And because you are one of the great blockbuster film school employees of all time, I will watch this movie now. I've waited for this movie to come out since... Also, Riz is going to get nominated for Best Oh, yeah. He's so fucking good. Yeah. He's great in everything. He He was the best part of Rogue One besides Ben Mendelsohn. Absolutely. And Diego Luna. Come on. Yeah, but we're not talking about Rogue One. Um, (laughs) I I waited for this movie to come out all year. It's on the Bezo Network. If you have the Bezo Network... Yes. Throw that shit on right away. That's his this name, is, Bezos Prime. Yeah, this is not an easy watch, but it is worth every second of it. All right, deal. Mine is similar, interestingly enough. My number one, it's not similar in the storytelling, but of that it has a very acute point about art and what is going on in our world about art. And it is David Fincher's Mank that came out on Netflix. It is out now. I can't recommend it enough. I know truly, if you are still listening to Blockbuster Film School at this point, you are a movie nerd. It is for movie nerds. It is about Mankiewicz who wrote Citizen Kane, was a very famous writer in the golden age of Hollywood and was friends with some of the most powerful people who ran Hollywood, but also gave them shit nonstop and was a rogue character the entire time who didn't give a fuck whether it was commercial enough or pretty enough, just made shit that he wanted to make and was clever enough and smart enough to do it for a while until you finally hit a wall where everyone's had enough of your shit. But if you made Citizen Kane... You slid under the wall and actually managed to put your manifesto out into the world and make possibly the greatest movie of all time or the most influential movie of all time. Is it worth it? Is it worth it to ruin your entire life to make a fucking movie? And I've ruined my life for a lot less. Absolutely. And I love that David Fincher related to this. (laughs) David Fincher said to himself, I've literally put my dick on the chopping block for every movie I've ever made. And Mank is there. And, and as I said to you guys, it basically proves that David Fincher 
to me is one of the plus plus mega artists in the world we have running and that if he would have been born a hundred years ago, he still would have been badass. If he would have been operating with 1930s, 40s filmmaking equipment and people, he would have still been badass. If he would have made a black and white movie, it still would have blown your fucking mind. He didn't need CGI and action sequences. It's one of the best written, best directed, best acted movies I've seen in a long, long time. And the fact that Mank didn't get to come out in theaters, didn't get to really have the critical acclaim that it really should is a testament to how much 2020 sucks, in my opinion. Uh, there's a movie that Pixar put out that Brian Tepps has been telling us about that is called Soul, which may show up on our Pixar episode that we have not watched yet, but Brian Tepps said we should watch also in the 2020, so that's there. The Dark and the Wicked is a horror movie that came out that's been kind of popular. Our buddy Tom Schrader did the score for it. I've not seen it yet, but I think we should watch it. I haven't seen it yet either. He's not that good a friend of mine. <laughs> no, like, I, I really like Tom. Calm down. I, I like really Tom. like Tom. I like Tom a lot, but... Uh, I just heard about it tonight, so I haven't had a chance. <laughs> Should have went with that, I guess. Well, okay, there was a one time Tom pulled out a little pocket knife and stabbed Nick. It was a little pocket knife. It wasn't that big, Okay. He gave me the choice of picking hands with the knives in it. Yes. And I got lucky. <laughs> Tom likes The other it. one was up his sleeve. That is true. Tom's a gangster. Okay. Yeah. He's a very dangerous man. But yeah, so uh, I think that's a pretty good little set of picks for 2020. If you've been thinking to yourself, what movie should I watch? I think we listed off some stuff that might get some Oscar nods. And yep. Nick that- Cage, Color Out of Space, best actor. <laughs> watch if- him yell at Colors. <laughs> If The Last Dance doesn't win Best Documentary at the Oscars. Probably won't just because they released it as a series. That's true. But if, Studio, I mean, Studio 54, the documentary is like up there. I mean, if Mank doesn't get nominated for anything, it would be fitting, though, because of its connection to Citizen Kane. <laughs> it would be fitting of its, Amanda Siegfried, is that her name? Amanda Siegfried. Siegfried. She's so amazing in Mank and if she doesn't get nominated, that's going to be upsetting to me because to me, David Fincher, always one of the elite movie directors, but this time truly not using any of his tricks, truly just actors, actors and sets and black and white. It's black and white. It's amazing. Truly amazing. Haven't seen it yet. Either way, the Oscars can go fuck themselves. (gasps) Oh, Also, we all know that Sonic the Hedgehog is going to win Best Act- best, <laughs> best Actor, Best Picture, the best, best Writer. of Best Actor goes to Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, that was Blockbuster Film School Office Hours. Those are some 2020 picks. If you like us, please follow us on Instagram, as well as we have a Patreon. Please come and follow us if you'd like, but we love you guys. We love you for listening. That's really breaking uh, the bank for Alex's dad, so... <laughs> We need some more patrons. <laughs> we love you, Pop. You're doing a great job. All right, team. We did a great job. Brian Tepps, super producer, the absolute, I got to say, American treasure, the head of the Blockbuster Film School, Mr. Nicholas Souter. <laughs> and I'm Alex Bonner. We will see you next week and uh, be excellent to each other and party on. <laughs>